Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beyond Our World. And uh, John Edwards, but you are back in the co-host chair once again, sir. Thank you yes, for sir. being on with me tonight. No problem. My pleasure. I tell you, you know, John and I, we've been talking about our guest that we have coming on tonight. And uh, Mr. Greg Lawson. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I've been looking forward to having him on. This man has written several books. Amazing. Uh, he is going to be talking to us tonight. We're going to primarily talk about his investigation into this one, which is Roswell. And uh, and then we might we might venture off into some other areas. He's also a uh, has books about becoming a paranormal detective and several others. Let's see there. Oh, there's quite a few. We'll, 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 we'll be talking about those tonight as we go along but uh so how you doing you doing all right john great fantastic <laughs> i know it's all, been a while all things well yeah. <laughs> yeah just a little bit of research here and there <laughs> yeah exactly I, I tell you what but anyway i met this gentleman at phenomicon here just about uh, a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago and uh, after meeting him at phenomicon and listening to his um uh, talk that he gave he was one of the speakers I thought I have to have oh, this wow. man come on the show because of his background and uh, the information and the books that he has done. I have to have him come on the show. So the, I tell you what, folks, mm. that, yeah, exactly right. Without further ado, I tell you what, wow. let's let's get ready because get ready here in just a moment, and it's we gonna are going to have Mr. Greg Lawson. So be prepared, and here we go. All right, we are live, and I tell you what, welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Lawson, author and professional investigator. Welcome. Thank you. I, I'm glad to be here for sure. Well, I was telling everybody, you know, I met you at Phenomicon and, um, you know, we, we just seem to be like hanging out with each other quite a bit. And, and of course, your lovely wife, Lynn. And, uh, and after hearing you give up, get up there on the stage and giving your talk um, with everybody. And then of course the times that we got to going to the, uh, like the open mic night and things like right. that. Yeah. Uh, we got a chance to kind of get to know each other a little bit. And I, and that's why I was telling everybody that I just had to have you come on the show, um, because of your background and the interesting, uh, things that you've done like this book right here that I am currently <laughs> reading through. I have, I have to admit, I'm not done reading this, <laughs> but mm -hmm. Roswell, the after action report, this thing is awesome. Well, it I appreciate really, that. Yeah. Really uh, it only took me about 13 years to write that. <laughs> 13 years. Yeah. That's how long well, the investigation uh, was, right? Dude, man. Uh, my wife finally, at, 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 you know, at which I refer to as my behavior modification unit, she's like, you got to get all these papers off of your you know, bedside table and off the desk because I had stacks of just basically gibberish. You know, it's Roswell gibberish, uh, just added in stuff 30, 40 years later, people saying that they heard somebody who knew somebody who had a kid one time that had, you know, a nephew that lived near the Roswell airfield and, and one time saw a truck with a tarp on it. And it yeah. must've been the flying saucer. You know, it's just like <laughs> whittling through that kind of stuff. You know, I finally, after about 13 years, uh, found myself in my my grandma's basement, you know, with her <laughs> yarn and going from this location to that location, making better foil hats every day. And it was just amazing. It's an amazing thing. Well, I, I really enjoyed the fact that when you got up there, you, you basically, and, and that's how this reads you, it, you, you are not a ufologist. You are oh, no, not, no. you know, the, somebody who goes around and, and like you said, talks to 
every little eyewitness fifth, you know, fifth removed down the line. Yeah. Um, you are a professional investigator. Tell us a little bit about your background for everybody. I've read about it, but tell us all a little bit about your background and what makes you such a great investigator. Um, so I, I got involved kind of in the paranormal when I was very, very young. Uh, and my brother, you know, he was, he was much older than me and kind of, uh, took me on basic ghost hunts and, uh, and, uh, urban really? exploration, right? Yeah. He, he was 17. I was five and he had a, uh, triumph wow. Bonneville, uh, 750 motorcycle and he would sit me on the, yeah, he'd sit me on the gas tank with no helmet. We'd ride all around central Texas and, uh, he'd take me to to uh, uh, cemeteries and abandoned buildings and stuff like that, and then proceed to scare the crap out of me. Uh, and uh, so, as I got older, I started doing that with my friends, like in elementary school. Hey, let's go to the graveyard. Let's do this. Let's do that. So I was wow. I was that kid uh, up until uh, uh, you know high school, and then when I went in the military, um, I, I was deployed. I was forward deployed a lot when I was in the army. I was uh, with the eighty second. So. Out of four years, I spent all of seven months at Fort Bragg. The rest of the time, I was either deployed to uh, Africa, uh, Central uh, Asia, um, uh, Central America, Alaska. And so every time I would go someplace, even at Fort Bragg, right. I would try to do some research and find out, you know, what's the weird stuff. Right. And then when I got out of the Army, I uh, was planning a, a different career path with my sister said, Hey, the sheriff's office is hiring. Why don't you go down there? And I'd never wow. thought about being a cop. Uh, at my, uh, at my 20 year high school reunion, I got a trophy for the most changed. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, you're good, good, good change or bad change. <laughs> uh, how did well, yeah, they all thought I'd go to prison or be in the middle of the hospital? One of the two. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it, it just, uh, it took me a different direction, but so I, I did that for, um, uh, for about four years. And then I decided to go in the Navy. Well, from what I learned in, as a, as a deputy sheriff patrol officer and mental health officer, uh, when I went in the Navy, go Navy. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, we were, I was on Nimitz. So I was, I did two, uh, Westpacs, uh, Western Pacific deployments. You only did one. Uh, yep. Yeah. And you know, so, uh, Panama, Guam, what did I say, Panama, uh, Philippines, Guam, uh -huh. uh, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Hong Kong, you know, just all through that area. And yep. so I did my best to do as much research as I could. And uh, when I would be on liberty, um, sometimes I would drink beer or whiskey <laughs> really? or things. But most of the time, I kind of tried to get away from the sailors and I was out by myself. Yep. And uh, when I'm in Hong Kong, I am the tallest person in the country. And so, <laughs> so almost, yeah, I'm sure there's some basketball players there that are, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it was, it was really interesting experience. And, and then going back into, uh, law enforcement and staying there for a while, um, you know, I, I, I did, uh, I was a detective. I was a homicide detective, sex crime, SWAT officer, tech medic, um, mm. underwater recovery team. I, I specialize wow. in, in, uh, aquatic death investigation because Ooh. no one else wow. will. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, so now I, I, uh, you know, I did Lake patrol. I was a supervisor for Lake patrol and now I'm 
the director of our academy, our, our law enforcement academy. And I'm going to do that for a couple of more years and then I will punch out. So, wow. So, um, you know, when you add up the years in law enforcement, what are you, 30, 20, 20 32. 32, yeah, 32 years. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and I, you know, again, this is from just speaking to you uh, at Phenomenon and also uh, then watching, you know, when you were up and giving your, your speech, um, you, I could tell right away that you had a different way of approaching the types of things that interest you. You know, most of us, a lot of people will go into a, uh, a situation and I know John can attest to this too, because mm -hmm. he's a researcher in, in a lot of different uh, types of stuff. Uh, but rather than going in with a preconceived notion, um, you know, you, it, like a, uh, like an archeologist would do, you're going to dig up the facts you may have, I don't know. And again, you can kind of help me with this a little bit, but it seemed like you're, you're a person that's going to go in, you're going to dig out the clues and what facts lead you to your end result. Right. And, and that's, that's very good. I mean, that's the way to approach it. Mm -hmm. um, and is that, did I, did I describe that well for, you know, how you. Approach yeah. That? And, and so, you know, uh, you, you have deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning and, mm -hmm. and uh, deductive you're typically pulling from the evidence inductive. You're trying to fit that evidence into a, a, a paradigm or a thought that, uh, what your hypothesis is. And that's the scary part about law enforcement. I've worked with those guys, those guys that can magically walk into a scene, take a snapshot in their brain, and they know exactly what happened. Adrian, And Lowe. so wow. then they wow. do the yeah. investigation to fit their hypothesis or their, right. their, what they believe. And that's scary as hell when you, you're talking about people uh, that are working for the state and, and they do that. And a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. Um, now a lot of them get derailed on the way and they finally figure it out, but it's just terrifying, uh, when somebody has arrest power, you know, when, when somebody that, uh, only is required to have a GED, uh, and yet has the, the most power of anybody in the country to be able to take another American citizens right of freedom away from them and put them in jail. That's, you know, mm. with, with that little bit of, uh, um, what do you call, uh, uh, you know, critical thinking skills. That's terrifying, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, absolutely. Yep. So, um, that, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Please. No, that, 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 and, and, and so when I'm doing an investigation, um, I try my best to allow that evidence to lead me to the conclusion. And, and typically in, uh, in paranormal. And when I say paranormal, I'm talking, uh, cryptozoology, I'm talking ufology, I'm talking, uh, uh, you know, hauntings, all that. We have this gap. Uh, we have uh, what we believe is this legend and then this incident that happened that somebody mm -hmm. reported. But there's this gap of proving the incident uh, causal effect. Uh, and, you know, was it lights or was it a ghost? Was it fog or was it a haunting? You know, it, was it something in, in the natural world or was it something uh, in the spiritual realm? And that's where we typically uh, are missing our facts, that that thing that ties it. And that's why when when people I've had people bill me at uh, at lectures and stuff as a ufologist. And I'm not sure where they get that other than I wrote a book about Roswell. Right. And I have mm -hmm. some experiences uh, of 
third hand evidentiary collection like radar and things like that mm -hmm. uh, of those things that don't behave the way I understand how things behave. Um, and that's where I leave it. I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, that was a solid contact. It, it, it originated up uh, near the Aleutian islands. It cruised down toward Kodiak and it shot straight down to, uh, you know, San Francisco and then sure. straight down to Baja and it was gone and it was traveling, you know, at Mach 11, uh, solid the whole time. What is that all about? I don't know. Yep. So, yeah. And yeah. there's Tom confirmation bias can be very dangerous. Yep. <laughs> you darn right. Hey, Tom, you said it better than I could, <laughs> man. I'm telling yeah. you, dude, but hey, Craig, Rogers, you, you, oh, yeah, say, sorry, he looks for repeatable patterns, the yes. repeatable patterns over and over and over again. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and your methodology? Well, and that's the thing about that. That's the thing about uh, paranormal, right? You don't, yeah. it's, it's rare that you ever have repeatable patterns. Um, so let, let's say you're talking about a, um, I don't know, let, let's say a haunting. I'm trying to pull one up. Um, and one I gave, uh, example at, uh, at sure. Phenomicon, uh, the white lady, a Kinsale, yes. um, it, you know, she's never seen at the same spot. It's always someplace different. And the time lapse is very far apart. Sometimes mm -hmm. she's angry. Sometimes she's nice. Sometimes she's uh, a woman in white. Sometimes she's just like a wraith. Um, and so it, it, it just begs the question on, um, you know, think about the guys that are reporting these. And, and for those of you who, are, who don't know what I'm talking about, the white lady at Kinsale is Kinsale, Ireland. It's a place called Charles Fort. And uh, it was uh, active in the late 1700s uh, up into the mid 1800s in Northern Ireland. Uh, and um, a, uh, a colonel uh, who was in charge of Sh Charles Fort had a daughter who married an English officer uh, by a very fluke thing. That colonel uh, ends up killing that her new husband on their wedding night. Wow. Uh, and then she killed herself by jumping over the wall. And then the Colonel went into his office, uh, wrote his, uh, his transfer and shot himself in the head. So wiped all of them out. That's all documented. Uh, and it's documented in, in many different ways, but anyway, that's mm -hmm. where the original, uh, the original story, uh, kind of germinated. And then in the late or the very, very early 1800s, they started having these reports of this white lady at the fort. And one of the, the things that she would do is she would scare some of the soldiers, but then she would also be very kind to some of them when they were mm. falling asleep on watch. And that's what had happened to her husband. He had fallen asleep on watch. Colonel Warrender walked by, saw him asleep and did a summary execution. That's in, in that time. That's what you did. That's how you made sure your people didn't fall asleep mm -hmm. is by an example of killing the guy that did, because wow. if you fall asleep on watch in that time, that kills everybody. So it's very, very serious thing. And so you look for repeatability. There's no repeatability there. There's uh, different stories. So I will, we can go back to what I was talking about. The, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're talking about um, inference and you're mm -hmm. talking about, um, deductive or inductive reasoning. Like 
inductive, you would sit and go, okay, this makes sense. Some of those stories, she's scaring these guys to stay awake mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or she's being real nice to them and, and tell, wake up, wake up. Um, is that subconscious? Is that something that they heard by the stories there? And then when they're falling asleep, sure. they have that micro dream of yes. the ghost coming, yeah. you know, could that be it? Uh, could it really be her? Uh, when, when you're talking about, we can go into the way your eyes work and how your synapse works and, and mm -hmm. how you recreate your visual world yeah, yeah yes. cuz we don't yeah, yeah. we don't really see the way we think we see yes. uh, our brain is actually making all this up as we're doing this it's right making up my hands and my microphone and yes yes it's a matrix so you really see the, the kind of virtual reality yeah your it your really brain is. is doing its best to uh, yeah. interpret what's going on so mm -hmm. you know we can we can have that discussion on what really is going on and and you know is there a veil here that we don't see because we don't see infrared we don't see ultraviolet we don't see uh, microwave yep. we don't see we don't see about ninety something percent of these spectrum we just see visual the visual spectrum, yeah. yep. very small percentage yep yeah yep. so there's these other animals that see this stuff so hmm. Yeah. I had a show on that once. I called it, yeah. uh, can't touch this. And uh, John was just remembering <laughs> that because, yeah. you know, like you just said, you know, we're very limited on what we can see with the entire spectrum. Same thing with hearing. There's a very limited amount of what we can actually hear in the entire range of frequency that's out there. Right. It's also true that maybe we are very limited in what we can touch. If sure. it's seeing and hearing, is it also possible mm -hmm. that we're limited in what we can actually touch? So is it possible that somebody, something could exist and be right here in the realm with us, but we can't see it, hear it, touch it, smell it, whatever? Sure. Is that possible? Sure. Why not? Photons. Yes. There's, there's, there there's, cos there's cosmic rays coming through yep. my attic right now, uh, and they're zipping through my body and going into the ground. Um, I don't see them. I, I don't, you know, in, in all of this stuff, if, if we could see everything, uh, the, the RF, if we could see everything, I wouldn't be able to see you. It would be like a, like a TV, uh, you know, just nothing but white, a whiteout, just everything mm -hmm. just buzzing. And so as, as we evolved or the way we were created or whatever happened that brought us here, mm -hmm. uh, we were made in a way that we don't have to get distracted by all this other stuff. Right. You know, we, we only see and feel and taste and touch and smell, uh, the things that are important. Um, but you know, that is, it's a good example. Uh, uh, astronauts when, when they're outside of, uh, our atmosphere, mm -hmm. those, those rays actually hit them and they cause damage to them and mm -hmm. they can actually, every once in a while they hit their, uh, their optic nerve. And they'll get a bright flash of light. That's a common thing for astronauts wow. to have to deal with. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's it, we're we're in a very strange place, especially when we say we know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true. <laughs> I agree with that, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, let's let's jump into the Roswell uh, a little bit here. Now you wrote this book, and and again, as I was saying earlier, I'm not done reading it yet. 
Um, but, you know, when I mentioned earlier that you are not a ufologist, you are an investigator. So you approached this, and this is this book, by the way, folks, uh, and I'll have the links down below. You can pick these up at Amazon. I was actually able to get uh, signed a copy, if you can wow. see that. Oh, I know. This that's worth fun. some money right there. Very special yeah. right oh, here. But uh, it's called Roswell, The After Action Report. Um and, and basically, you know, and I'll let you talk about this, Greg, as we go along here, if you, would, if you wouldn't mind kind of taking us through your investigation here. But you didn't approach this as, okay, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to prove that UFOs exist. And there was a UFO that crashed there. Your approach was completely different about what you were looking to prove. And you proved it. Mind taking us through that a little bit? Sure. Um, so the way I do most of the cases that I work, most of the cases that I work are private. They're people that don't want to be on TV. Uh, I, I have TV um, producers and people talk to me all the time. Hey, why don't you share some of your stuff? I'm like, I got a couple of them I can share, but most of them, the people, they don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, they, they're very private or they're uh, in a position of authority or, or power or whatever. And they just, they know that I'm not going to say anything and they'll come to me and, and talk. Sometimes they'll, they'll let me go. Uh, let me go with it. Uh, one, for, for instance, one guy came into my office, he was a SWAT guy. Uh, and he goes, uh, Hey, Lieutenant, uh, you're a ghost hunter, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I am not. <laughs> I am a paranormal investigator. I'm a, you know, and he goes, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I research stuff and I, I hear people and try to talk them through what, whatever the experience is. And so he came in and closed the door. Uh, this guy every night has a little girl standing in the corner of his bedroom every night. Wow. Uh, and she comes out of the wall and his wife can't see it. And he, he told his wife, uh, uh, she, he told her about it a couple of times and it kind of freaked her out. So he's, he's like, no, I don't see it anymore. He sees it every night in that room. Um, not in any other room, just that room. And so he, he doesn't work for us anymore. He, he went on to do bigger and better things. Uh, but you know, that's something that would get him pulled off duty to the yeah. psychologist. Uh, he would be fine, but he would have to go through all that because he's, you know, all you got to do is be smart and go, Oh yeah, yeah. It must've been a dream. And then you're, right back at work, you know, and you just deal with that. So as a investigator, the way I go about it is, is I try to make sense of what happened. Uh, and I follow uh, an investigative procedure, much like you would for a insurance claim to a homicide. Doing an investigation is kind of the same thing. Uh, just depends on, on how deep you go into certain things. So I approach it as in, okay, um, the white lady at Kinsale, how can I put a investigation together that I could take to the grand jury, present it and get an mm -hmm. indictment, get a true bill on what that is. So that that's the way I go about putting together an investigation. Uh, now to put together a book, is covering a lot of the superfluous stuff because you got to have a lot of words, you know, right. to, to build a, a 220 page book uh, when you would actually be like for something like this, you would be bringing in a 40 page uh, document for mm -hmm. 
an indictment on a grand jury. Right. Uh, but I, but I go into my thought process. I go into some of the other people's thought process just to kind of put you in that area. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then also talk about the way they conducted their investigation. Cause the, the mm -hmm. original guys that did it had no investigative, you know, experience. Uh, they were intelligence officers. Right. So there was no such thing as forensic examination of statement analysis and, and, and things like that, that we have today. So when I look at some of these older cases and I use contemporary means to look at, let's say, witness statements uh, or the way an investigator goes about conducting their investigation, it's very um, telling about where they screw things up and how mm -hmm. things could get so muddled mm -hmm. as it did in the uh, Roswell thing. Because yep. they made it, they they went too far. They made it too complex to where people roll their eyes and go, okay, you just confuse me so much. I'm walking away. Mm -hmm. It's like they, and, right. and, and, and the guys that were covering this up was, were, were beautiful. <laughs> they did a great job. Yeah. And, and in the book, you talk about those people and, you know, you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think right off the bat, well, one thing I wanted to point out, you did call something, you call it babes, V A B E S mm -hmm. value assumptions, beliefs, and expectations. Right. I've never heard of that before. Is that something you coined that or is that something that you were taught or? No, I wish, uh, in, uh, when I was, when I was getting my master's degree, uh, that's one of the things that they really go into depth on, uh, to become a professional researcher, which that's when you get your master's, that's what you become. And, uh, and you can use those particular, uh, skills in, in science and liberal arts, whatever. Um, and so that's one of the things it, you're automatically assuming when you go into something that people have the same values you, you hold, uh, you, those are the assumptions that you have about the situations that you're seeing. You expect certain behaviors out of people, mm -hmm. uh, and these lead to your expectations of what you're trying to find. And that can really get you derailed on, uh, on your investigation, it'll, it'll blow you right off the tracks and you'll end up way off in the weeds that doesn't, is completely inconsequential of, uh, what your investigation should be. And, right. and you see that in a lot of guys, a lot of, and I, 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 I firmly admire people's consistency and their passion in conspiracy theory stuff. <laughs> but I got to get away, man. I get the conspiracy <laughs> theory guy that comes up and just starts clanging uh, situations and names of people involved. And it just goes from one to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And it's like, dude, focus, man. Yeah. Nobody's going to listen to you. You're, you're the crazy guy on the street corner right. screaming about the end is coming. Nobody's yep. listening. Yeah. Right. You, you have to hyper focus on something and prove at least one of them. And when you can't, if you want to drive yourself crazy and stack that stuff up on your uh, bedside table and on your desk and put your foil hat on and get your grandma's yarn out and start making a map. And <laughs> pretty soon, you know, you're playing with your poop, uh, <laughs> making little sculptures and stuff. Yeah, man. No. <laughs> get out of here. You know, and that's, that was what I really enjoyed about or have, and I'm, like I said, I'm not completely done reading this yet, but 
you know, you went through here and you started naming all the different people that were involved in this. And right off the bat, you got uh, General Thomas Du Bois, and mm -hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Du Bois, yeah. Um, he was the whistleblower. So, you know, and you you pick out each person, Marcel, Du Bois, uh, and you, you pick these people out and you, you basically uh, investigated this and told us in the book here each person's role, not that kid who was the the grandson of a guy who was a brother to the guy who actually saw the cover, the tarp over top of the right. army truck. <laughs> right. You know, you're not talking to him because that's irrelevant. You know, you, you went mm -hmm. right to the people who were involved and each yeah. person and then deciphered what their role in the whole thing was. And that's what I loved about this. And, and like I said, I'm not done reading it yet, but I mean, it, it, it's, this is a case file. It's it, to me. I don't know. I and I'm not a and I'm not an investigator. I'm not a police officer or anything like that. But to me, it kind of reads like a case file. What I would imagine a case file to read like, um, which I appreciate very much. Go ahead. Well, and so I know some of the people that are listening right now are like, "What? What? Demose wasn't a whistleblower. He was." Um, and I, I, I go that they'll they'll say, "Well, no, Marcel was the whistleblower. He was the one that came forward first. Yes, he was. And DeBose was as well because his whistleblowing was a little different. Uh, he did it on his deathbed. Right. Uh, there is wow. a, uh, if you go on, on YouTube, you can watch uh, uh, General DeBose, Colonel DeBose's uh, deathbed confession. He, he wasn't on his, he, he was sitting on a couch, but he died right. shortly after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and just listen to what he has to say. And like I said, um, you know, we have different types of speech uh, today than we had in the 60s, than we had mm -hmm. in the 40s, and we had in the 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are different gates, there's different speed, different inflections, things like that. Um, but you can still uh, see where the gaps are. And so when you're doing a forensic statement analysis on what DeBose is really saying, he really doesn't say much, but he says a lot. And um, why uh, that, which what he said is still classified today is just beyond my comprehension exactly. of what in the world is the Air Force doing? You know, I, I, so uh, you can do this. Uh, you, I, I did four years Army, four years Navy, two years Air Force. Uh, and I did it just because, I didn't have anything better to do and want to see. I heard the, the chow over the Air Force is better. And, uh, and so, you know, I, uh, I had a really good time. I, I planned on being a career military guy, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, but I, I, I am very proud of our country. I'm, I'm very proud of, of the things that we've done. Uh, I believe that the American flag symbolizes the ideals that mankind will never reach. We're never going to be fair. We're never going to be non-racist. We're never going to be non-judgmental. We're always going to be these things, but we can still aspire to be right. that. that, you know, the, the flag is not a, a bad thing. Have, have people in the military done bad things? Yeah, absolutely. And so why the air force continues to be 
so distracting and so smug and, and it's just amazing. Uh, and, and if, if whatever they're still hiding today and they are, mm-hmm. is pretty amazing, whatever that is. Yeah. And that was, that was the thing I'm getting from the book here is the fact that, you know, your investigation goes into this. It doesn't prove that there was an alien, that they got an alien ship and they took it to Wright Patterson Air Force mm-hmm. Base. Uh, that your book is not your, your, your investigation is not going out to prove that it's to prove that there was then and is still now a cover up of something yep. that they yep. have not divulged. And why, if it was a weather balloon, as Marcel is the pictures of him taken with the sure. uh, pieces of it and everything, which, you know, looks to me like, or, and I think you actually um, got some of the information from him as well or not from him personally, but that it was, that it was switched. You know, he came in with materials and then when he went in to talk to the big cheese, he comes back out and now he's got something else to work with. He's like, wait a minute. And he had to play a role. And when you're in the military back in those days, I mean, when you're in the military period, and I was too, I mean, today you're going to get whistleblowers. And you're going to get whistleblowers pretty quickly coming out of, you know, maybe as soon as the person's out of the military. Back then, they did not do that. Back then, they carried oh, no. it to their, yeah. most of them, to their death. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the, it was a different mentality. And it was sure. a different, you know, consequences. You know. Yeah, you got shot. You got killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you're, a, if, if you committed treason against uh, uh, the United States, uh, they put you to death. Uh, yeah. So we had that all the way up into the fifties. So you did not do that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, there were consequences, right? Exactly. Um, so, you know, like uh, Irving Newton, um, uh, was brought in, it was a, a weather officer, uh, to identify that the material on the floor was a weather balloon. Uh, and he says that, uh, Marcel actually tried to talk him out of it being a weather balloon. Um, I don't know whether that happened or not, but he's the only one that says that Irving Newton's the only one that said that Marcel said that that was the material in that, in that room was, was the same material. Cause later Marcel says, Oh, absolutely not. It was not the th- same material who would mistake balsa wood and, and tin foil, you know, glue, uh, some, yeah, no one, some tape. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is uh, yeah, this is a spaceship. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it, it's just all the consistencies in all that. And for it to culminate into a new investigation in like the 1994, 95, uh, where the Air Force actually gets actively involved uh, and they rely on Newton's uh, deposition or his statement. They rely on Sheridan Cavett's statement and Sheridan Cavett was a freaking counterintelligence officer. His job is to screw everything up. And yeah. he's sitting there grinning, you know, just going, Oh yeah, it's a weather balloon. Oh, I can, yeah. <laughs> and they build their entire case around those two guys. And not once, not once. Let me get this right. Not once <laughs> did they refer to General DeBose. Not right. once. How does that happen? How <laughs> I'm just sitting back going, well, you know what? I've partied with those guys. I completely understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, and that's, that's the thing too, because you've got so many different people, you know, the whole thing, you know, got changed, you know, as, as it started, cause you were looking in the book you, you mentioned in there and I just froze, didn't I? I think no, you're, good. you're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. All right. Yeah. I could see you guys are both froze. I, my internet is a little sketchy tonight, but, uh, you know, you were talking about <laughs> Jeff, Canada. he's frozen. He's frozen. You missed him. <laughs> he always catches you with your mouth in the weirdest, you know, the yeah. most awful position. Uh, Kenneth, you know, Kenneth Arnold, the Mount Rainier yeah. uh, gentleman who saw the uh, bat wing type um, uh, craft. And right. then it was it was listed as being, you know, uh, they ch it got changed and somebody decided to call him a saucer or something like that or discs or something. Um, and it, it started there. And then all of a sudden during that 19, you know, in the 1940s, things are starting to happen. People are starting to look up ever since yeah. that case and they're starting sure. to see things. And, and then of course we have the Roswell incident and you talked in there also about, um, William, um, uh, Colonel William Blanchard. Right. Um, and, and how, you know, in the press release that went out, um, and again, and then what happened with him? I was that's kind of the one of the sections that I just got done reading in there, and it's pretty it's amazing, awesome. right? It is, it yeah. truly is. Take us through that a little bit, really, because you can do such a better job explaining this. Than well, explain it. so Blanchard, as soon as this happens, he kind of uh gives up the ghost, right? He's just he's not there. Uh, and this press release comes out, uh, where they uh you know, they, they found a, a, uh, a disc, uh, on a ranch. Well, that got changed once, once the press release went out, that got changed to flying saucer. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, because it sounds better, right. Instead yeah. of, I uh, yeah. found a disc and I found a flying saucer, but for Blanchard to say for, to the, uh, public information officer, whatever, you know, the, Walter Hot was the 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 guy that that wrote the press release and and sent it out. You'd have to get permission, right? I mean, think about it. That time, nineteen forty seven. Uh, you know, he doesn't do anything unless his commanding officer tells him to right. do it. And so, Blanchard had to have blessed that and sent it out to the public, which is crazy, <laughs> you know, to do that and also inferring. It was one piece, not in pieces. Didn't say it. They they recovered pieces of a disc. It said they recovered a disc. So we got a little little. Uh, you, you can say I'm playing on words there. Uh, I was in the military. When you describe something, you describe it. You don't just go. Yeah, we got some stuff, and and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you so anyway, and then of course the Roswell Daily Record then changes the press release to something that sounds better, mm -hmm. sends it out. Uh, and then it appears that the, uh, the army air force was, uh, scrambling at that point to try to put that thing to bed. So, uh, Ramey gets involved. General Ramey gets involved, who is over Colonel Blanchard, Colonel mm -hmm. Blanchard still just, he never responds again. He's just like off. Right. Yeah, it's just and there's, gone. It's gone. yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and in his official paperwork, it shows that he went, uh, um, he went on leave and that's fine. Uh, it, you know, if it was a big a deal, yeah, <laughs> the air quotes, wherever he was leave. Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. was out doing stuff so we can infer, 
that he was just hanging out there, wasn't worried about it, and trusted Walter Hot to do the right thing, and he'll do the press release, and that'll be fine. But uh, Blanchard wasn't that kind of guy. Blanchard was in charge. He wasn't. I don't think he was a jackass. I think he was a a really firm dude. Not 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 an ass, uh, but serious guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I doubt he just said, "Oh yeah, man, whatever you write, I trust you. Just do whatever you want to do." You know, I doubt. Right. I doubt if that happened. Uh, and so you look at Blanchard's career after that. Now, if you were in charge of the only nuclear bomb wing in the world and uh, you're a general over that that eighth air force and one of your colonels of the nuclear bomb wing tells everybody, Hey, found a flying saucer. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I'm firing him. I'm transferring him out tomorrow. <laughs> Antarctica. Uh, is yeah. He's that, going that, to that, Antarctica. That, oh yeah. Gone. He's going to go to a supply <laughs> depot somewhere. Gone. Yeah. Uh, No. Blanchard ends up promoting to three steps away from the freaking president in the Joint Chiefs of Staff and dies of a massive heart attack in the Pentagon a few years later. But whatever he did at Roswell catapulted his career. Now we can look at it and we can infer that, well, the uh, uh, Army Air Corps, the Army adopted Army Air Corps, turned to Army Air Forces, and then turned it to the Air Force. Well, they needed some generals, so they just, hey, Blanchard, go be a general. Uh, you, you could say that maybe there was just some billets there that need to be filled. Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, and whatever he did there was pretty miraculous. Mm-hmm. And what he knew, yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What and he what he knew, right. Yeah what he was carrying the information that he had and all that. So, and again, like I said, you know, this whole thing boils down to yes. Uh, you know, and, and I have, like I said, uh, when I get to the end of this, uh, uh, the book here, you know, it, it boils down to, yes, there is a cover up, but we still at all this time. And I said this earlier, but we still don't know exactly what the actual cover up is. We can make assumptions if you want to go down that road, um, but the end result is we don't know. We know that there's a cover-up. It's been proven. We know that the Air Force is involved in it, but we don't know what the cover-up is, co- what's being covered up. Did they find an alien craft, or is it something hmm. else? Was it our own things that they were messing with that we just don't know, right? I mean, that's the end result with this, as of right now, hmm. anyway. Right. I thought I would uh, head down to NASA, and I felt like uh, it would be a little bit better if I... <laughs> If I talk from a control room about this instead of I like that old control room there, that's pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you like that? That's some good yeah, stuff right the, there. Is that from the sixties, seventies? Yeah, yeah. I, Greg, I, I think I got so. a question I'd like yeah. to throw out. During yeah, that same time, and I'm not sure if there's truth to this or not, but it, supposedly, um, Truman signed an executive order for the Majestic Twelve and Forty Seven as well. Do you believe there was a Majestic Twelve? And it's coincidental that you have Roswell and the Majestic 12 pretty close together. What, what are your thoughts on that? And did Truman know what had happened at Roswell, in your opinion? Yeah, I uh, I know. Yes, Truman knew what happened in Roswell. I don't know what happened in Roswell, but okay. Truman w- was certainly uh, apprised of it and uh, probably um, provided some sort of guidance and like things I want this to happen, you know, like I I want this to go away or I want this, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
As far as the Majestic 12, um, many years ago, I was uh, standing at a urinal. Now, this is probably uh, <laughs> this way I start most of my stories. <laughs> standing, at uh, yeah, standing at this urinal, <laughs> trying to read the, the whatever the thing was on the wall. Uh, and I uh, looked over and there was a guy standing there. I was like, hey, you look just like Stanton Freeman. And he, he said, yeah, I am. I was like, man, I'm PM with Stanton Freeman. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so I, I i knew stanton for many many years uh he he was a really good dude i really liked stanton a lot um he really pushed the envelope on a lot of things mm-hmm. um uh but i'm ashamed to say the majestic 12 um i i can't get behind that just because of the way that all of those documents were um uncovered you could say and uh and who they were uncovered to now you could go back and look at watergate and go okay well you know deep throat and all that stuff there are people that do that stuff but when you can't corroborate your evidence and your evidence is is uh photocopied and you don't have the real documents and then when the sure, sure. when you pull up documents in the in the archives you when you go back in the archives and all of a sudden you find documents that uh, don't have control numbers on them. How did they get back there? Well, they they just so happened to pop in back there. Well, probably out of your pocket. I'm sorry. Um, I just I it, it the majestic twelve uh, is a very very romantic uh, and mm-hmm. very good answer to a lot of the fill in questions. So once again, we got the incident. We got the end game. We're missing that bridge. Boy, sure, sure would be nice if we had 12 guys that, you know, were met in secret and, and all this. How do we fabricate this? I, I believe in Stanton's rolling over in his grave right now. I, be, I believe that uh, at least some of those documents were forged. Uh, okay. And um, and that's, you know, but it's like a belief system. Like, are you Catholic? Are you uh are you Islamic? Are you? I know something happened. I just don't believe it happened the way you think it be, uh, believed it happened. Sort of. And you know what I mean. Follow up, follow up question. Truman knew whatever it was, whether it happened. Do you think that's the information has been passed on to president after president after president? Is this something that you know the inner circle know about? No. No. Do you think um, it ended with Truman? Uh, it, yeah, especially now, uh, more and more, the the president of our United States is filtered more and more of the information that uh, uh, of of the things that are going on, just for the simple fact that the secrecy and and you have all these uh, you have all the people that are really running the country yes. in in those jobs for 30, 40 years. Yes, and uh, the 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 president might be in the job for eight. He's not going to know anything. He's going to be busy, you know, from five o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, and, and, and there is a reason there's another, asked. there's another machine yeah, running this yeah. place. There's a reason I asked because Jeff and I uh, pulled up uh, in the beyond that world, Jeff Obama. And four years ago, he, and eight years ago, he had a different stance. And then recently he was interviewed on one of the late night. And he goes, yes, I was aware of the tic-tac shapes. I was aware of the anomalies that you're seeing. But in previous interviews, he denied any awareness of it. So I'm wondering how much information about 
these UAPs, anomalies that are known by intelligence and especially the presidency. I'd be curious because there has to be something known. He wouldn't have made that statement and he wouldn't have made that statement unless his handlers allowed him to make that statement. So we're talking two different things. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Roswell. Correct. It's the, you know, it's dead to whatever's whatever the, the concerns okay. are today. Um, so Obama could talk about that now because all that's, well, a majority of that is declassed mm -hmm. uh, for the simple fact that they've released the video, they've released uh, people's information, they've released and, and talked about these things online, which kind of throws out the secrecy a little bit okay. uh, with the video. Now, if they were just talking about it online, they mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have declassed it. But once the, once the video's out, once you have a bunch of pilots going, um, they're may, you know, they're saying I'm lying. Well, they're, they're telling, saying everybody's lying. Okay. Uh, so th there's a little bit of, uh, of repair they have to do after something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they declass stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the strange thing about the Roswell thing is I was going to go back to that. Yeah. Why that particular why thing that? is still, uh, you know, and, 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 I, I I won't use their names just because I don't want to get sued. But uh, you know the the guys that did the investigation uh, for the Air Force. Um, I I just ask you the question. You know, if, if you're in charge of an intelligence service or in charge of an investigative service uh, with the Air Force or any other military, and you get a request from a first year senator or congressman from a backwater state saying yeah. hey i want to know about this ufo that happened 30 years ago how serious are you going to take that uh and if you take it serious as in mm -hmm. you're concerned because he's a co congressman or a senator or whatever uh and you're concerned about what the media will do to you uh and stir this up you need to sure. cooperate a little bit the question is, while you're trying to gather intelligence and doing uh, uh, espionage investigations mm -hmm. and real-world serious stuff, are you going to take your best investigator off of that and go make him chase around a UFO? No, no, obviously not. Or if you do, you, you sit back and you go, well, I need my best guy to go do this because I want to put it to bed. Let's say let's say it's nah, that, yeah. which I wouldn't have. I would have gone, hey, who wants to run around in uh, New Mexico for a couple of weeks? <laughs> exactly. And, and wow. you know, drink some beer and and eat some Hatch chili hamburgers. It's going to be great. Run out there and do this. Wow. Knock this wow. out. Um, now they'll they'll of course argue this, but I I've been on those types of investigations. You send somebody out of town to do that. They fly out of town. They get to their location. Uh, they get taken care of at their hotel. And what do they mm -hmm. do? They go eat steak and they go to the bar. <laughs> and you party and you have a good time. Yeah. And you go to yeah. go to bed, get up the next morning and go do your investigation. Uh, I don't know if that's the best, <laughs> best example of all uh, investigations like that. But, I mean, there is that angle. And you sit and look at the way they put that thing together. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I did this for a living. You're fired. 
if I if I got that gibberish the way they put it together, they put that case file together is horrible. Mm-hmm. If I got that, I would have said, "All right, I'm reassigning this to somebody else. You, I want you to go find some classes on how to conduct criminal investigations and get yourself signed up for it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you some training and I'll try sure. you later because it's horrible, man. Is here you you or they just didn't take it serious or it was by design. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I know. know. And where do you go with it? I don't know. You know, that's that's the thing. It could very well be. Um, yeah, that's by uh, design. By design. Because yeah. it, it's just it well, I, I read new. it. I yep. pushed through it. You know, it's a thousand pages long. Uh, and I pushed through it over a 13-year period. Wow. Um, and 90, I don't know, 95% of it is completely inconsequential. Wow. There's it, just no reason to even include it in there. They did it to make it so overwhelming that it makes it look like they did their due diligence. But they didn't because, I mean... In the investigation, they're they're talking to Sheridan Cavett. Sheridan Cavett's wife is in the room, and Sheridan Cavett is, uh, wow. you know, he's doing the. I don't recall. I don't <laughs> recall. I mean, he wasn't using those words, but he's yeah. skipping around and everything. Ah, I never saw it. I don't know. And his wife goes, "Oh no, remember when you guys were at the barbecue and trying to burn it?" And he's like, "Ah." The investigator doesn't even go. Really, tell me about that. Yeah, exactly. He just uh, how do you not do that? Keeps, Come on now. He just keeps going down his line of freaking questioning without any diversion, without anything. It's like, oh, I would have been like, uh, uh what? Yeah. Okay, Sheridan, can you hold on a second? Yeah, exactly. Explain this to me. Now, what where was this? What did happen? You know. But no, they never they never went down any rabbit trails on it, which I get because mm-hmm. uh, too many of the uh, inexperienced, non-trained uh, people did this. They went down rabbit trails and then swore, you know, um, all kinds of stuff happened and then realized all these people got impeached later and they were building their entire case on, you know, Ragsdale's <laughs> statement uh, and and stuff like that, you know, and it's like, well, you need to qualify your witness probably. So yep. yeah, yeah the, exactly. the air force was, it was, it's, 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 it was horrible. Their investigation, my opinion. Yep. Now something that John had mentioned uh, earlier talking about the presidents and the information being passed along. And it was something that you had mentioned. And I saw in, uh, you had mentioned before, Greg was also something that I learned. I was a radioman in the Navy and I had a top secret clearance. Okay. And you had made the comment about, okay, so top secret means you get the privilege to read anything that's up to that level, right? No. No. There's a little thing called need to know. Yeah. And you talked about that quite a bit, if you don't mind. Um, So that's why if you don't have the need to know, then they're not going to tell you regardless of what you're You have top secret clearance on the stuff that you are working on and sometimes not even that. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. there, there's, there, there can be layers of, uh, of the way something operates or, or whatever that, uh, is inconsequential to you. I use that word twice tonight. Um, mm. you know, that it, it, it doesn't matter to what you're doing. 
So you don't have access to that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And if the present president or someone else in his cabinet doesn't have a need to know, they're not going to tell right. him. So just I, like I, the guys, the, the guys operating these consoles, I was like, Hey, everybody needs to clear <laughs> out of here. Uh, I have a private thing in here. Do you, they didn't have a need to know. So I'm just like, I'm outside. I'm still sitting outside and the clouds. Haven't yeah. In an hour, so. <laughs> he's in the broom. John's in the broom closet. It looks yeah, like. I know he's, 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 well, he likes to, he likes he to only? hide. Yeah, he's, I think he's a vampire actually in, in many ways, but, um, <laughs> we're going to, uh, we've got some good questions coming in from people and I wanted to get to a few of them here. Um, let's see. If you don't mind taking a few, Tom Burns said, have you ever uncovered any evidence or physical mental injuries, uh, physical or mental injuries directly attributed to activity at Roswell? And if so, who was affected and how? Have you ever uncover, uh, uncovered? Oh, okay. Have I, all physical, right. Yeah. In your research, any physical or mental injuries? Yeah. Mental for sure. Um, people are so stressed out about it. now. I, I, I should say that I, what I mean when I say I under, I uncovered that, uh, when I say I, I mean other people than me. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I wrote this book on the back of great men. Uh, I wrote that book, the Roswell after action report on the backs of a lot of very diligent, hardworking researchers, hobbyists, all the people that were interested in Roswell, uh, I called through it, uh, qualified my, my information, uh, gathered it up and that's what I came out with. And if I had to go to court, that's the document I would take. Um, but if you look at, uh, God, Sheriff Wilcox, man, uh, his after, after all this happened, his life went in the toilet. Um, he, and he ended up in a mental institute and, uh, um, there's, there's multiple suicides that, that happened. Uh, his, his fa family had, had many, uh, uh, very traumatic things from this. Um, and it, it changed his life, uh, the, the way it was handled. Now, when you say that, when I say that, um, I can say it based on, uh, factual evidence that he was hospitalized. Don't know why. Uh, however, third-hand information, his daughters said because of the stress that he was under, uh, he left being the sheriff. We don't know whether he had planned on leaving being the sheriff anyway. Uh, but after that, it was, it was so stressful on him. Uh, his health declined and wow. there. Um, you look at, uh, one of, uh, one of Brazel's, uh, or Brazel's son. Um, that is a very, very strange situation. You'll, you'll get to that in the, in the book. Um, that is, you, you could make a movie off of his son alone, really? son wow. moving out of there, changing his name. Uh, he was, he was in the Navy. Uh, he went in the Navy, tried to hide in the Navy and get away from all this stuff um, and ended up dying very young. Wow. wow. Um, yeah, that that would uh, that would make a good movie. That would make a, a fantastic movie. 
Um, we should collaborate. And do so we no, let's do it, man. I got this. I got the uh, first draft or final draft. We can write the screenplay tonight. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. It's uh yeah. So to answer his question, absolutely. There were some things out of there. I, you know, and then I, I can turn right back around and go. So out of the hundreds of people that, that were interviewed to be involved in Roswell, X amount committed suicide. Well, as a, as a law enforcement officer, uh, I've had 13 people that I work directly with commit suicide. Wow. So, uh, when you start, you know, counting that as far as percentage wise, uh, there's a lot that goes into whether somebody's life ends that way or not. So, um, but yeah, there's some bad stuff that came out of Roswell for sure. Yep. Mm. Um, okay. We have another one. Uh, see, uh, seeker of kindness says, Greg does Marion, Marion M. Magruder ring a bell? Does not. Okay. Um, I, I, I went through a lot. I apologize, but I went through a lot. Uh, well, there, uh, I want to say witness to Roswell, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, which is a great book. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should read it. Uh, and okay. I, I think that it was, it was very, uh, I, I like it. Um, and they have interviewed over 700 people. Um, and, uh, as a, as a criminal, uh, investigator, as a criminal detective, um, case management is very important. So staying on task is very important. So, uh, quality versus quantity. And it's great to canvas the neighborhood or the city or the state or the military or whatever you can do if you got the time to do it. But when you're trying to make a case, there's limited amount of time. And, uh, and Don Schmidt and Tom Carey did a masterful job of calling out anybody that said they had anything to do with anything. And they got some good information out of that. Um, all hearsay. Not all, but most of it hearsay. So right. there was a lot of names that came out of a lot of the different uh, investigations by different people. And uh, and I went through them to qualify the witness and I eliminated uh, anybody that was hearsay information unless it led to something that was tangible. Okay. So I apologize. Uh, I don't remember that name. Okay. Um, yeah, and that makes total sense. What was the name of that book you mentioned again? Uh, um, Witness to Roswell. I am going to check that out. Yeah, I, I like it. it uh, they they had a, a um, you know some good reviews and, a, and then a lot of criticism in the ufology uh, world. Um, and the thing about it is, is is we can make mistakes, and uh, and when we're proven that those mistakes were made. There's two things you could do. You can stick with whatever your story is, or you can go, Oh yeah. Okay. Damn. All right. And then just move on. And I right. believe that most of the people, uh, in Roswell, uh, have adjusted to, uh, a lot of their, uh, inferences of what they made out of, of certain things. And, and I know, uh, Don has uncovered some really cool stuff and then it ended up not being, uh, what it was. 
and and he corrected himself on it. But you know, for that for that two years, he's hammering it, and everybody's criticizing him. And then when it and it's proven not, then everybody's like, "You need to get out of here." You're you know, dude, you make mistakes, and absolutely. When you're trying to prove something, um, you know, sometimes you got to hang on to that thing until it's absolutely proven that it's not. It's yeah. like people still hang on to Glenn Dennis, the uh, uh, the guy that was uh, uh, worked at the mortuary. And, you know, he was young oh, when he did it. Yeah. And, you know, they, he, he said, you know, many, 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 many years later came forward after the uh, – unsolved mysteries episode and said he was at the funeral home and they called for child size caskets uh, mm. and asked how they, they could, uh, you know, preserve bodies that were found in the desert or whatever. And of course um, the air force lost more airmen than any of the other services combined. Uh, I'm sure the air force didn't know how to preserve bodies and didn't have any body bags laying around, <laughs> you know? And so when you, when you, Go forward and you you espouse that you're the guy, you're you weren't in the military, but they're calling you for child caskets and and advice on how to p- proceed with these bodies, uh, and then can't corroborate any of that and can't corroborate the other people that were involved, and then you lie about um, the name of people that are involved and then lie about where they weren't went and then lie about where they went again and then, you know, just keep backpedaling on your stuff. Cause you didn't think anybody would really look into it. And when they did, it, it's hard, you know, I mean, Glenn Dennis would be impeached uh, of his testimony. I could not bring him into a grand jury and say, tell me what happened, Glenn. Cause he, he, he was too deceptive. He lied too many times. he, He's a good dude. He did. He did a solid for uh, the Roswell community. Um, uh, Roswell would not be on the map and not have a great festival if it weren't for Glenn Dennis. So he, he brought a lot of money in and it's yeah. a great story. It's a great story. Um, let's see. We have one. Uh, okay. Because we were talking a little bit about the uh, paranormal stuff, which again, uh, you know, You've got some really good books on, and uh, I haven't got into the reading those just yet. Um, but uh, we let's let's jump down that road if you don't mind. We'll take a. Uh, Jan asked the question: Spirits don't always show up when you want them to; they choose when to appear. Is there something that you do to attract them? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> let me let me head over to Highgate Cemetery mm-hmm. real quick. Uh, there we All go. Right. All right, mm-hmm. so here I am at Highgate. Um, so it depends. Uh, what I typically do is I like to observe other people's ways of doing things. Uh Um, people say in the, in the, in, in the paranormal community, well, I use the scientific method. Well, the scientific method is based on repeatability. So obviously you don't use that because you don't get that stuff to happen every time. Right? No. Um, so there are different ways. Uh, there are different beliefs of ways that people can can do this, right? So some people go to places that, let's say, have had someone die or a bunch of people die. 
uh, and they use a medium to do it. And they have what would be a seance light, right? Not everybody around a table with a candle and doing it, but you have a medium that is contacting someone on the other side, someone that is in the spirit realm or that is dead and trapped or whatever it might be. Um, some people use Ouija, some people use spirit boxes, some people use all of these things that uh, once again, your, your belief system in that, in that vape thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. your values, assumptions, your beliefs going to lead to your expectations. And so depending on what your belief system is now, the question is, um, what is happening? I know that there's good, good thought about, you know, you're reaching out, trying to contact somebody and maybe it's somebody in the future that you're seeing, or maybe it's your grandma that's that died and is now your guardian, or maybe it's, uh, whoever it is, uh, in some sort of spirit realm. And then when you mention their name or calling them at that location, mm -hmm. they come. So there's many different ways to attract that, uh, Frank Sinelli guy named, uh, he goes by Dr. Specter. Um, has a really good idea. And I, I, I like his, uh, best. He, he sets up, uh, audio, uh, analog and digital uh -huh. and video analog and digital. And he'll set it up, get it going, uh, and crack a beer open, turn on some music and have a conversation. Uh, and like he, be he, yeah, he, I do too. He <laughs> believes that don't you think spirits would probably be more interested in, uh, five or six people having a little party and having a good time, uh, then going, is there anybody there? Yeah. Did you die here? Can you tell me your name? Yeah. Are you angry? Are you trapped here? Do you want to go to the other side? You know, you're giving them the, the inquisition. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, or a good example. Uh, let's say you're at Alcatraz. Um, hi, uh, my name's Greg and, uh, 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 these lights down here aren't going to hurt you. And I'm just trying, I'm here it with peace and love. And I'm just trying to contact anybody who wants to talk to me. You think some prison inmates are going to respond to that? I don't know. Maybe they would. I don't know. But um, uh, when you're in one side of town as a, as a cop, you know, everybody said, well, all cops should be professional. They should just really watch Sanford and son see how much that cop gets out of, uh, out of people as opposed to the guy that talks street talk. Right. Mm -hmm. So depends on where you are. Right. On what you're going to do. What do they expect? You know, is right. this a broth? Is this a brothel or is it someone's home? Is it a prison mm -hmm. or is it, you know, a, uh, a castle? It, it, it I think it's, it's going to depend. So, right. And if uh, the person's a jackass as a person, they might be a jackass as a ghost, maybe. So I think you got to try a bunch of different things. That was a really long answer, and I apologize for that. But it's it's in that question as far as do you use bait or something that would attract? I think you can, and I think it uh, it would make sense. But I think it has to do with your location. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you on that too. Yeah. I think that you, you, the location definitely matters. Uh, what your, what the, the past of that or the history of that particular location definitely matters. Right. But a lot of times I find that if I pick up an EVP, um, most of the time, 
it is while two people are having a conversation that I'm getting somebody speaking to them or I'm picking up another voice other than them too on my recorder. Right. So it wasn't all those questions like you were saying, you're as, Oh, when did you die? Or do you know you're dead? And that kind of stuff. They're, they're actually coming in when I'm going, Hey John, do you have that other uh, thing there with you? What do you, you know, and I'm, and I'm mm -hmm. actually interacting with John and this, and then all of a sudden I'm picking up a voice you know, that's coming in while we're talking. Right. So I totally yeah. agree that the guy sitting around having a beer and having a conversation, I think that'd be the greatest way to do it. I'm going to use that. I'm telling you, man, for, um, I, I have a plan. Um, I'm supposed to go up to, uh, to New Jersey with, uh, Aaron Sagers. Um, he, he does a, a show talking strange and, uh, he's working on a Netflix thing right now and, uh, meet with him and, uh, and Frank, uh, and we're going to um, have a backyard seance, <laughs> bar a bar also called a barbecue, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we're going to go to the Pine Barrens and we're going to do a hike through the Pine Barrens for a couple of days. Nice. Uh, in all the, uh, uh, you know, the, the ghost towns and, and abandoned buildings and everything out there in the, the Pine nice. Barrens uh, and look for Jersey Devil or whoever else is out there. Cool. And uh, I'd love to come um, yeah, and I'm really, uh, I'm really looking forward to being able to spend that time with Frank because I know he's going to want to use his skills <laughs> of <laughs> of of divination uh, involving uh, some sort of uh, adult beverage and music, and it's going to be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, well, yeah, we've got a couple of different uh, and folks. I'm going to put this out. We're going to um, uh, take questions now. Uh, so if you have a question, I've already got a few. That uh, Linda, thank you, Linda, very much for bringing those over to me and. Uh, sending mm -hmm. me some of them because they go by so fast while you're talking and then I don't get a chance to um, uh, bring them up and respond to them. But if you have questions that you would like to ask of Greg, uh, go ahead and throw them up there. Um, so one of the questions that did pop up was that um, somebody was asking, talking about the fact that you are now talking about this thing. He said this was the, uh, we call him AO, it's the Awoken one, we call him AO. Uh, he said, my question is how, you know, I'll bring this up. Um, uh, the only question I have is how the government have not shut Greg down from going public as the government and military use heavy handed bully boy tactics to keep people quiet. But listening to Greg is awesome. Um, have have you had anybody? I mean, you haven't divulged other than the fact that they're keeping a secret still after all these years. You haven't really said anything about what the secret is because we don't know. But have you had any kind of people coming to you trying to make you quiet? You keep you quiet. Men in black. The man of life. Showing up, can't really talk about that. <laughs> no, it's a, that, that, no, that's a good serious question, man. Um, no, and uh, most of the stuff I talk about, uh, I mean, I mean, it's I am not uncovering. I have not uncovered anything extraordinary. Uh, I'm merely using uh, some contemporary means of forensic statement analysis uh, and. Um, you know, cold case review tactics to really look at it. And I, I didn't expose anything that mm, anybody else didn't know other than, I mean, really, everybody said the government's lying, right? Everybody mm -hmm. said it. Okay. I went in and I used a contemporary way to prove the government's lying. And people say, well, how'd you prove that? Well, I use techniques that I could take that, that are industry standard techniques in law enforcement 
that I can prove, look at these other cases. This is a pattern of behavior, a pattern of, of speaking that is deceptive. Um, and a lot of this stuff, this is a pattern of incompetence. That's like anybody can see that was just a horrible investigation. Right. Um, and they just didn't take it serious, man. And, and, and now at this point, are you going to believe anything they say? No. So what's no. the point at exactly. this point? The, the best thing you can do at this point for the government to do is just shut up, shut yeah. your, shut your filthy whore mouth. <laughs> well see and that's something that well, i've talked can you, can about you say, can you say that on this show I wouldn't oh sure why not guy. all right mm -hmm. i can always edit it out later <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so that's something that john and i kind of talk about is the fact that you know you know now that the the um the government is starting to spread some of this information out and you kind of alluded as to why because we have video that came out and they had to respond to it but i think they are starting to spoon feed us little by little by little uh, that sure. the fact that yes, they are real and we don't know what they are. Now, I, I, I've always said, will we ever get a full explanation of that? They, they have alien craft that they've been, um, reverse engineering. And that's where we come up with some of the technological advances that we have. Will we ever get that information? No, we probably will never get that information. And like you just said, if we did, they, if they gave us some of that, would we really believe what they're trying to feed us right. anyway? At, at, um, at this point. Um, we're, we're living in a disinformation society, a, uh, yes. yeah. and, and also a post truth society, because yeah. I mean, even, you know, people are saying, uh, you can't identify uh, a boy or a girl. There, there's yeah. no way to tell the difference. No. So, you know, how, give me your definition of female or male. It's like, are you kidding me, man? Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. There you go. That's it. I'm not saying that you can't identify as something else, but don't right. go to the level of, yes, biology says this. Right. I'm not getting in, in that realm of, I have very good friends that identify as something other than their biological systems dictate they are. And they're right. my friends. Mm -hmm. And they also understand this. It's not the crazy arguments of just the, most bizarre stuff that you hear today. Uh, and I'm using that as a particular example mm -hmm. of the other thousand things right. that, that people are doing. So when we're in this society that people will actually step up and espouse something that is absolutely objectively not true and people agree with it, it's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Uh, there there's, I, I tell this all the time, you know, there's, there's one thing that separates a cult from a religion and it's hmm. the amount of followers. So when you have 2 billion followers that say the mystery of the Eucharist is correct. When I pray over this bread and wine, it becomes the literal biological DNA body and blood of Christ. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Two, right. two billion uh, people transmutation i mean right transmutation. Uh, thank you transubstantiation uh, right? transubstantiation yeah. yes yeah it's the mystery of the eucharist and yep. and there are people that their entire foundation of their religion is based on this mm -hmm. um and people I, I i was i was roman catholic 
Um, and I have people that are Roman Catholic go, Oh no, 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 that's, that's symbolic. I'm like, well, then you're not Roman Catholic. You're Episcopal, you're uh, Lutheran, you're, mm-hmm. you're Catholic light. Um, and, but if you believe in it, that, I mean, that's it. If you're Roman Catholic. So man, um, I don't know what you do at this point. And like I said, the best way to kill something is just not discuss it. Mm-hmm. Don't respond to it at all. Right. And, and that's right. what the air force needs to do is just concentrate on what they do best, which is apparently cover up <laughs> UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yep. and and fly around and let uh, the space force take over all this stuff. Yeah, space force is out now. Space so, force, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I say you know, and I say the same thing. Don't worry. <laughs> let's not worry so much about that. If they have, and and here's my thing. You know, Area Fifty One. You've been out there quite a bit, quite a bit, uh, looking around and whatnot out there as well. I heard you mention that before. But my opinion is this, and this is, goes back, I guess, to my military side of of, of me. Going, if we have reverse engineered a spacecraft or something like that, um, and if there's things like that going on in, at at uh, at uh, Area 51 or whatever, fine. I don't want to know about it. It's it's government secrets that we don't want our potential en- enemies to find out. You guys develop what you develop, and that's fine and dandy, and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, do we want all that full disclosure? I, I personally really don't because I, I think we need to keep some secrets. Sure. Um, but I do think that this point going forward, and this is something that I talked to Dr. Travis, Tra- Travis Taylor mm-hmm. about, is that going forward, let's now that that bag is open, the cat has come out of the bag. You, you guys have admitted that these are real and we don't know what they are. Okay. If that's going to be your statement, stick with it. Okay. But then allow media and academia to start to actually bring this into their realm and stop putting people in this case of that. Oh, they're tinfoil hat people. You know, you don't want to, even no, let's start investigating this. Let's put our forces together to actually investigate this sure. academia and find out what is really going on. That's all yeah. you, you forget about what's happened in the past. Let's go forward. Right. Yep. What do you think the, about that? Yeah, as far as the Navy goes, so I was an operations specialist in the Navy. Um, I I worked air detection and tracking. I worked uh, uh, search and rescue. I worked worked a bunch of different modules in the Combat Direction Center on Nimitz. Um, And uh, I I can say that, you know, there, there's a lot of strange things that we pick up on radar and we, we see these things and, um, they go away. Uh, when they stay there for a while, you, you send up with a double SC aircraft, you send up, uh, an aircraft to go put eyes on it to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's rare that, uh, they ever catch up with anything. The tic tac thing was, was one that was much later, uh, mm-hmm. after I was off Nimitz, I was on Nimitz, uh, 91 to 94. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gary Voorhees was at, uh, Phenomicon. He's with uh UAPX company. Yes. And, uh, and so he was actually on a ship that was plane guard for, uh, Nimitz and plane guard is the ship that, uh, follows the aircraft carrier around just in case, uh, a, an airplane falls off when landing or launching, uh, the, the aircraft carrier will go by or continue on and the other ship will, will pick it up. Well, that he, he was operating in an, 
in an Aegis class ship, which uh, the Aegis system is a a is, it's a platform of uh, radar and uh, and fire control uh, that's pretty advanced mm-hmm. or was at that time, a- and uh, he was on there and he had uh, a track of the Tic Tac video and he's been interviewed multiple times and that event led him to what he does now, which is investigate UAPs um, and any other aerial phenomena. But the the stuff that he does is very specific. He's brought in uh, PhD physicists and, and other people that that's what they do. And they, they literally frame for frame, pixel for pixel, look at this stuff and try to figure it out. Mm. Um, so he was there and uh and he was very interesting i got a chance to talk to him yeah yeah and so uh, all all of this um i'm not sure other than just uh parading an alien out on the uh white house lawn (laughs) is gonna you know do much for any anybody right at this point um you know uh, uh up at uh michigan paracon uh in august I was there with uh, Andrea Perrin. She was one of the speakers. I was on a panel with her uh, and uh, Dave Schrader and Bridget Marquardt, Aaron Sagers and uh, um, Shane Pittman. And Andrea has a very interesting perspective on things. She's for those of you who don't know Andrea Perrin. She's a um, they they made a little movie called The Conjuring about her family and and a house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie, Billion yep. Dollar. Yeah, uh, that was a facetious question. That was that was just being a jackass. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, she does a very interesting thing, and she she'll take a big crowd of people outside, uh, mm-hmm. and she will look at the stars, and they stand out and look at the stars, and she talks about um, uh, the universe and and the the other people involved in the universe and how. Um, they do find us interesting and that they do have interaction with us. Uh, and she will, uh, she used to sing to them really out there. Yeah. It was, it, it's a really cool thing that she does. It's, wow. it's really cool. And, uh, and so everybody just kind of out there and she sings this year. She didn't sing, uh, but she uh, talked about them, talked to them. And every time dude, every, every time I've, I've done it m- multiple times with her, something strange happens every time she'll say, send us a sign or something like that. And something weird will happen this time. It was really overt. Uh, sometimes it'll just be something that you could equate to a, maybe a, uh, a satellite or maybe a tiny shooting star or something. Right. This time, uh, it was a bright orange ball of light and you know what a, a flare looks like, right? You shoot a flare, yeah, it arcs, you know, mm-hmm. or if you shoot a, um, a firework, let's say a red firework, you shoot it from the ground and let's say you, uh, you've made it very well and it's not going to live, leave any sparks as it launches and it goes to altitude and then it comes back down. Mm-hmm. It will come back down based on the gravitational pull, uh, and the weight of the, the material and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. This was coming back down super fast. Wow. And it got bright, 
with a long tail and went out. There was no noise, anything. And I would say it went out, I don't know, a couple of thousand feet above the other side of where the casino was. Wow. So I'm, I'm sitting here as uh, somebody that kind of understands. I, I, was, I, I went through a, a CADM school in the Air Force, which is combat arms training and maintenance. And so I'm, I'm an armor for everything from a 9mm to a Mark 19 grenade launcher. And I, I understand people say, well, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Actually, it is rocket science. <laughs> and so uh, I, I work on mortars. Um, I understand how this works. And I'm not sure how you can get a trajectory the way it was as fast as it was. Because normally it comes up and it slows down, slows down. Then gravity starts pulling it back down and it does whatever. This was shooting down. Wow. wow. And it was bright orange. I've never seen anything like it. But so then I, I go and do the math, right? All right. Well, what are the odds that I would be with Andrea Perrin in Michigan at 930 at night or whatever time it was in the parking lot? She says, can you send us a sign? And 14 seconds later, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm not what's sure. The, what's the odds mm-hmm. of that happening? Right. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people that are rolling their eyes right now and saying, ah, you know, somebody set that up, you know, somebody she had a signal and they you know shot off a firework what that's not what that was it was not hmm. i don't know what it was it was not a firework it wasn't a flare it was something that had a very high uh velocity traject and trajectory down wow. uh, and so anyway that's cool though. That, yeah. that, to, to uh, witness something like that that would be really cool i i would and I, and I saw, you know, some strange things, you know, I was out with April slaughter. I went on that mm-hmm. ghost investigation with April slaughter the very first night on Wednesday night. And, uh, and that was really interesting. And I've got my footage still to go through. Um, I didn't do a whole lot. I just kept, you know, following around and kept my mouth shut. Did you go to any of them? Did, were you at the, did, did you happen to go to those? Any of those? I did her? not. I did okay. not. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of the, a lot of the big groups, unless they're <laughs> making me go. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be over here at the bar. Uh when y'all are done, come see me and show me what you got. Yeah, well, it's hard to do an investigation with that many people in the room anyway. Sure. I don't like that. You know, I like to be, you know, have just two or three people and you split mm-hmm. up and go around and do your thing. Um and, and, and normally when I do mine, I'm completely alone because yeah. I just don't want any of the other distraction. I don't want those sure. people that are with me making assumptions and going, Did you see that? Did you hear yeah, that? It sounded like this, you know, and they're, they're, it, it's that, uh, you know, when you're investigating something and, or you're interviewing someone and you're, you're providing leading questions, it's like, oh, you're mm. killing me, man. You're killing me. Stop the leading questions. So it's <laughs> just like that on a, an investigation. If somebody is leading you towards something, it really, um, yeah. it just, yeah. it's cool. And I have yeah. a good time. I have a good time, but it's like, Oh, well, what did we really accomplish out of it? It was just entertaining. Yep. Uh, we did have a question from uh, cat cat asked the question, Greg, have you, have you looked into the Sacramento airships, November, 1896 at all? Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. The, uh, the, Mm -hmm. so in, in the late 1800s, there was all kinds of airships, um, being seen all over the place and they were all real mysterious. And there was one in Texas in Aurora, uh, that actually ran into uh, a judge's windmill and blew up, 
uh, and they actually uh, got the got the uh, um, the guy, the the pilot, and buried him in the Aurora Cemetery. Um, and a few years ago, there was a TV show that was going to come in and uh, and go in, and and they filed to exhume the body and and look at it, and they uh, magically the uh, the the tombstone disappeared, and then. <laughs> Of course. They're like, where did the grave go? <laughs> We're not sure where the grave mm -hmm. is. And so it kind of went down that way. Um, but the yeah, so to answer her question, yes. Uh, there was quite a few of those things in the late 1800s around the United States. Um, some mistaken, obviously, for uh, dirigible type, mm -hmm. you know, balloons that they were using uh, hydrogen, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. kind of makes a little sense when you hit a, when it's moving really slow and you hit a windmill and it blows up into, <laughs> into a giant fireball and cooks everybody. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not <laughs> nuclear. Yeah. <laughs> that's I don't know what kind of energy they're using there. Hydrogen fuel probably, mm. but yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. Here's a, and uh, James uh, Keenan is saying hello. Um, and James is another uh, gentleman that I met uh, out at uh, Phenomicon uh, James, obviously, um, you know, been around with the Skinwalker Ranch and all of that. And we, and James, I, I'd love to have you on the show. Uh, I, I'm going to be reaching out to you to have you come yeah. on. Man, you yeah. need to get James on. Yeah. Fantastic guy, man. I, and he took us out and we went on the, uh, the, uh, uh, to out to the McConkie Ranch and he gave the presentation and took us around on that tour. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. at Phenomicon. Cool. Uh, it really was. It was a lot of fun and very informative, and it, that was great. I can't wait to have him on. So thank you, James, for coming by tonight. I appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, so we got we got some – I was just backing up here to see if there was any other questions. I know we've – I kept you long. I was telling you yeah, about an yeah. hour, uh, Greg, and it's been an Jeez, hour and a man. half already. It goes by uh, quick. <laughs> hey, Greg, is, are there any tools that you use or scientific, you know – a methodology that you use when you do a ghost hunt or, or investigate like a, uh, like a, you don't hunt. Uh, I, yeah, I, so w when I do something like that, I typically only use uh digital and analog video, okay. digital analog audio. Uh, and I cross reference it. So I'll, I will switch it out. And, and typically okay. like if I'm going to do something, um, uh, you know, somebody wants me to come in and do something and it's like, you have to give me the location for 24 hours. If you don't, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you're not hurting my feelings uh, because mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, Hey, come to my bar and uh, tell me it's haunted. It's like, eh, <laughs> um, that's not necessarily what I do. You can find somebody to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's typically more of an in-depth thing. I just, it, you just can't get very much out of, you know, like a four hour investigation. Right. And I, and I get pretty loopy. I will go, you know, I'll wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, go to the location, um, do my thing at the location, stay all night, stay up all night, switching out all my cameras, loading everything, downloading everything onto my computer. And, and then seven o'clock the morning that when the sun comes up around seven, eight o'clock in the morning, then I'll wrap up and I'll go get breakfast. Uh, and, uh, and then I'll head home or I'll go back to the hotel and then get some sleep. Mm. Uh, but I'll typically try to do 24 hours and hopefully I'll be real loopy at the end and I'll see all kinds of crazy stuff, but it doesn't <laughs> always happen that way. <laughs> Has there been any one site that's been overwhelmed that you absolutely, 
Absolutely. What would be the one site yeah. that, that stands out in your mind? If you so I, I have been to Dracula's castle in <laughs> Romania in Transylvania. I've been to wow. Corvin castle and Hunadora castle in Transylvania. I've been to Lep castle in, in Ireland. I've been to Warwick castle. I've been to all these places. Uh, Haunted Hill house and mineral wells is the most uncomfortable mm -hmm. house I've ever been in. Wow. Um, nothing, nothing miraculous happened, but things happened that I can't unexplain. And, uh, and, uh, the, the most amazing thing happened to me there. Uh, and it come to find out, uh, well, just real quick. I, it was two o'clock in the morning. I, I the light, I, I secure the electricity to the house. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's pitch black in there. Uh, I go and I walk out of the kitchen. I go and I walk up the stairs. I'm walking up the stairs and the stairs are coming like from a foyer at the front door going up mm -hmm. to a landing. And then they turn to the right and go up the rest of the way to the second floor. As I'm walking up, the kitchen door is to my right. If, if I'm at, if I'm looking at 12 o'clock at the stairs going up, uh, the kitchen door is at two o'clock. At two o'clock, a bright ball of light come out comes out of the kitchen door. Whoa. As I go to look from 12 o'clock to two o'clock, that ball of light starts zooming out the front door. I try to follow it out the front door, but it makes it out the front door and it goes away. Wow. Whoa. I, I did skydiving for about 18 years, did competition skydiving. And I tell you what, on the stairs on at Mineral Wells, I had the best adrenaline dump I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I was like, man, finally, I, I get to be the guy that stands on the corner screaming with the Bible saying, I Where have the answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> My life has changed at this point. Yeah. And yep. I'm like, wow. what in the hell just happened? So I go up the rest of the stairs. I go up there and I look around. Uh, I come, I start going down the stairs and I get hit in the neck with a rock. Really? What? A little pebble. Stung. Hmm. Uh, I stop. Uh, I turn on a couple of light, uh, a couple of flashlights I had, and I'm looking for the pebble. I know I heard it bounce down the stairs. I look, and I spend 30 minutes on the stairs looking for this pebble. Can't find it. That's one of the things that happens in that house is there is a playful ghost there that will throw little rocks at you. Hmm. Uh, and it's not the house isn't in great shape, but it's not something falling out of the ceiling or anything. It has trajectory. It has velocity. Uh, and it stung. Uh, anyway, so a couple of other things happened. And anyway, I'm, I'm at home. Uh, I wrap everything up there. I leave. I'm at home a couple of weeks later. And I'm in the kitchen and a bright ball of light. Boom. At two o'clock. Right. And I go to look at it and it zooms out my front door. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have an attachment. It came home with me. This yep. is all no, this is good stuff, cool. right? That's <laughs> people are, sure, people are always man. like, uh, yeah. so Greg, do you do like a cleansing spell or you know, sage everything or whatever? I'm like, no, man, I'm looking for a ghost. I'm I'm gonna take it however he gets, you know, however it gets there. Uh I I hope it doesn't like get into my bank account and like you know, get rid of my bank account, put a cloud on my house, my car blows up, you know, and all the evil stuff. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but you know, I mean, that's part of it. The way I look at it is if I'm going to get an attachment, that is evidence of something happening. Mm -hmm. 
And then I thought, eh, my wife is a para-optometric. She works for an uh, eye doctor office. Better call her up. I call her. I'm like, hey, I, when I was up in the mineral wells, this ball of light, and then it just happened again. She's like, you need to get in the office. You probably have a retina detachment. Like, ah, great. So I get in the car, drive there. They check me. My retina is good, but I was having ophthalmic migraines. It is a condition in your eye that will create uh, that thing. You can take your finger and don't, don't do it and sue me by popping your eyeball out. But you can take your finger, close your eye and push on your eye and a little white, you know, it'll lighten up a little bit. That's what's happening inside your eye when you get an mm. ophthalmic migraine kind of thing. Uh, so they diagnosed me with that. So, you know, it's, it's, it would have been a much better story if I would have just kept it with the ball of light. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's such a great Daddy, story. Daddy. A, I mean, I know, <laughs> but being a, a, uh, you know, people call me a debunker because I come up with something like that. It's like, dude, I'm not, I'm not a debunker, but if it's not paranormal, it's not. And don't not trick paranormal. people. Right. Exactly. It's a great story. Tell the story. You remember, you watched my, uh, my talk at, at Phenomicon. Mm -hmm. Where, okay. The first story I came out with, right? I don't know if you remember if you were sleeping then, but um, with, with the church. Meeting with, uh, yeah, the other guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the church and the cow, right? Yes. Okay. So if I would have not looked behind the curtain, if I would have not opened the door to the church and looked out and saw what I saw, yep. it would have been a spiritual moment. Right. But I looked behind the curtain and it's like, oh, the Wizard of Oz is now this old man pulling levers and stuff. So I think it's, a, it's part of our responsibility as paranormal investigators to look behind the curtain. Yep. Uh, what we're really looking for is the thing that we can't explain. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. You're right. Yep. And, and that's happened. I think one of the places that for me was Hillview Manor. Uh, I went to Hillview Manor and there was a, there was, there was three of us that were there investigating and we took turns, you know, cause it was a big building, but you know, even each of us would take a floor or whatever and go up there mm -hmm. by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, um, just the whole thrill of, you know, of being up there, you talk about going by yourself. Now I knew there was other guys in the building, you know, they weren't on my floor, but there was other guys in the building. But walking around up there with my camera and my recorder, and I'm walking down this hallway with all these doors that are open, and I'm kind of like looking in that one, and then I'm looking over here, and I'm just kind of checking things out. It's creepy. I mean, you're on an adrenaline rush already. Right. And then if one of those doors would have slammed or something like that, I would have freaked, but again, like you said, you have to conduct yourself in such a way. Say, well, okay, hold on, let me go back and see if I can figure out why did this did was there something that not paranormal that caused this door to slam? You right. know, so you have to yeah. go into that mode and you have to look at that. If you just stop the story right there, yep, got a great story. Wow, that door slammed. It freaked me out, and yep. I ran the heck out of there. You have to do that further investigation, like you just said, and you might find yeah. out that it wasn't paranormal at all. So. Right. It's just you got to do your due diligence for sure. Um, yeah, Linda just sent me this thing on Mineral Wells. She says, Texas, you got to go, Jeff. Yeah, I have to go now. So, okay, I guess that's where I'm heading next. Yep, yep, yep. Going to if you, if you can make it well uh, there, it's it's worth going to. It is oh worth goodness. going. 
Yeah, I tell you what. All right, I I promise not to keep you so long. Um, I and I haven't seen John. Did you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, no, we're good. Yeah, I, I tell you honestly. I mean, you know, a ton to ask, but we're short on time. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to I'm going to read in, folks. Like I said before, if you have uh, if you are interested in this uh, information that we've talked about tonight, you need to check out Greg's books, uh, How to Be a Paranormal Detective. Uh, this one here, I'm getting ready to read next. Uh, you also have, and I saw, and I, I had him on the little intro video, Diaries of a Paranormalist, Encounters mm -hmm. with Death. How, how, when did you write that book? Has that been a while? So, um, that was my, uh, oh God, uh, second to last one. I, I wrote it, uh, right before the Roswell book. Um, yeah, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, mm. came to my table a few years ago. Uh, with detecting paranormal, a book that I wrote, and she's like, "Hey, can can you sign this?" And I'm like, "Where did you? Where did Rosemary Rosemary Ellen Guiley was the Pope S of the paranormal? She there's nobody that was mm -hmm. th at that level that than she was." And I said, "Well, where did you get it?" She says, oh, "I wanted to read your book, so I signed it." And she uh, she goes, "I want to write a book with you." And I'm like, "Okay." Because when Rosemary Ellen Guiley tells you to do something, you just do it. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> and so we wrote uh, How to Be a Paranormal Detective. Um, and uh, I wrote it, and then she just bled all over it with uh, a red pen. Like, what does this mean? I don't know. You're you're being cryptic here. Uh, this yeah. makes no sense. You know, she was awesome. She was awesome. Awesome. And so uh, that's what we worked out. And then she said, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, my publishing company to, to do a, a book of your experiences. And I was like, nobody wants to read that. And she goes, no, send me a, send me a couple of pictures, uh, send me a couple of uh, stories. And I said, well, mine's been more spiritual than paranormal. Uh, and, and it's mine has been much more about what I missed than what I found. Oh. And, and she goes, well, send me some. So I sent her a couple and I was looking at the email last night. For those of you who don't know, Rosemary Ellen Guiley wrote, wrote probably 70 books. She was, uh, probably the pinnacle of a paranormal investigator slash um, mm -hmm. clairvoyant, uh, just awesome. And uh, she, she passed away in the middle of us writing uh, diaries of a paranormalist. Wow. So that's why it's so thin. Uh, we had 20 stories that we were going to do uh, and we got to 10 and she died. And mm. so I told the publisher, I'm like, now that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, and so that's what we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely pleased with it myself, mm -hmm. but I know that, uh, it's not what people expect. They think that, you know, they're going to read about, you know, where I found ghosts and stuff. And then, no, I didn't find ghosts in any of my stories. I found other things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what that is about. It's, it's written in, 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 uh, kind of a collegiate essay style of short story. Um, okay. And, uh, it's, um, so anyway, that's yeah. A and, uh, I'm actually, uh, getting it turned into an audio book as we speak. Awesome. Oh, I was going to say, so, I, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Cause I, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that I start reading and I get about uh, a chapter or two in and I'm like, even if it's good, yeah. I mean, it's just me, I can't. So I usually buy the book, but then I go get the audio, uh, the audio book and listen to it while I'm, yeah, you know, I, I, um, 
at strange darkness um podcast uh the the guy that runs that is uh is doing it so uh, if anybody wants to listen to that he actually i told him he could read two of the stories on his podcast so that's what he did oh cool. um and uh i was very pleased with it. i was like yeah absolutely cool. run with it man go get some uh so cool. yeah so cool. hopefully we'll get that done maybe by november or so Okay, good deal. Let me know. Uh, keep me informed on that, and I'll let everybody know as well because uh, I'd like to check that out. Okay, so last question, and then we'll let you go. What's next for Greg Lawson? So what's next is we're looking at, uh, like I, I already said, uh, going to the Pine Barrens, um, looking at a, uh, a site in Utah, might be uh, joining um, uh, Russell Acord. Ah, uh, Russell. And, and actually um, – uh, April Slaughter. I, she doesn't know this yet, <laughs> but I'm going to be reaching out to April since she is uh, in Utah. Uh, I'm going to reach out to her and see if she wants to join me on a little trek out into the desert nice. uh, uh, to a particular location where I'll um, should be, should be interesting. And then, like I said, the Pine Barrens um, I'm working on a, a deal right now there. Uh, it's in post right now for a video that we did. Uh, I say a video, a, a project that we did up in Washington at Wellington, uh -huh. uh, the Wellington train disaster. We we went up there and uh, uh, spent um, several days camping in the debris field down there in the uh, where the all the bodies were recovered and all that yep. stuff. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I'm uh, uh, and I'm working on a uh, Mothman book. So oh, Mothman, goes. really? That's sure. something John and well, I was it's uh it's it's mothman but it's more it's it's more about uh the premonitions that people get before tragedy uh and how mm. uh things like mothman uh you know could be interpreted as telltale signs of looming disaster mm. uh, yeah so that's yeah, an interesting take. That yeah. yeah very cool yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we have to stay in touch with each other, Greg. And you, awesome. you know, I really, uh, cause I want to be able to have you back obviously, cause I would love to talk about your paranormal books, uh, a little Absolutely. bit and get into a little bit more in depth on those. I know we tried to kind of work on Roswell this time, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime to kind of talk about some of these other, uh, books and this new, um, uh, what you have coming up next, I think would be yeah. really, really cool. And please let me know when that audio book is available. I, I would okay. definitely tell our listeners. Yeah. Uh, most of that is on my, uh, on my website, theparanormaldetective.com or coldcaselegends.com. Okay. Um, and, uh, I have all my audio stuff on there and, and, uh, uh, the detective diaries episodes and all that stuff. So okay, I'm just putting this up on what was the, I got cold case, I'm going to put this in the description of the show as well. Coldcaselegends.com. What was the other one? Right. Uh, Theparanormaldetective.com. Yeah. And, right. uh, um, and I'm a, I'm a regular on uh, the Paranormal 60 News uh, with, uh, with Schrader and, and Dave Schrader and, and all that. So that's, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I apparently can't read worth a damn. Uh, yeah. So we, we read paranormal news and uh, it's, it's words is hard. <laughs> words is hard. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Uh, well, 
Well, we've had a fantastic time with you tonight. Thank you, Greg, awesome. so much. It's my honor to have you on the show. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you, uh, you, because you were you're heading towards Michigan too, I think, or something. When uh, you had some other, um, I forget where you were heading. I, I remember talking to you about it, but you were heading somewhere else next uh, for another con. I think yeah. there was another convention going on. Um, but yeah, I know ne you're next. Next week, I'm going to be uh, working with. Uh, um, well, I got, I got, do you call it working with, I don't know, uh, Amy Bruni, uh, Amy oh, Bruni. Amy. Oh, yeah, whoa. Yeah. yeah so I'll, I'm going to be, uh, in Houston. Um, yep. I think next Friday, uh, she's got a show in Houston, so I'll be, be there with her. Kindred spirits. Yeah. She's doing kindred spirits yeah. now too with that, or at least that was one of her latest projects after ghost hunter. So yeah, very familiar with Amy Bruni. Wow. That's fantastic. Wow. Tell her that we said hi from uh, beyond our world. <laughs> I will do that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, Ghost Hunters. Everybody's jumping on to Paranormal 60 and the Ghost Hunters. All right. Well, thank you again, sir, for very much for being uh, on the show with us tonight. Hang out for just a minute when we end up here. Uh, okay. And John Edwards, thank you so much for uh, being my co-host. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And you Good meeting you, John. And uh, folks, thank you guys for being here with us tonight. We've had a great time with Greg Loss. And uh, we got some more stuff coming up as uh, I get more of these people lined up to come on the show. Uh, James Keenan being one of them. Uh, yes. And also Russell Accord said he would be coming on. Of course, I saw a picture of him that you showed. He, he looked a lot like Fabio. Uh, <laughs> He's lived many lives, I'm telling you. <laughs> little trick that uh, Greg played on uh, Russell when we were at Phenomicon. That was pretty funny. Can't believe uh, it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. So was everybody else at the, at the play. Yeah. Anyway, so, but really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, sir. And folks, we'll catch you next time right here on the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond and Beyond Our World live stream. We'll catch you next time. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs>